Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Everybody online, welcome everybody here. Um, if you're visiting with us, welcome to Crossroads. If you're back with us for a season or just uh, uh, here checking things out, we are very um, honored that you would be with us. Uh, please let us know how we can help you. Answer any questions about the uh, church family here. We've got a lot going on. We'd love you to be a part of it and to uh, move deeper in is, or just become more part of the family. Just uh, get to know us, um, what's going on. Um, a couple of announcements to let everybody know. First of all, let me just say there's a little card in the seat back in front of you. Just encourage you to fill that out. We've got a mighty prayer team if you have a prayer request for us to pray about. Uh, if you just want to get on our mailing list, fill that out. Drop it in the, uh, the giving box back there, Worship Through Giving. Um, and you can, uh, we'll uh, get you on the list. And uh, anything else, if you want to just talk to us, get a coffee or whatever, um, write that on there. Um, gentlemen, coming up, our Men's Engaged Spring Trip to Fruta, May 4th through 7th. You can sign up now online. Andy Poole, I saw him somewhere around here, but he's got us going. It's going to be... Every year, it's a wonderful, wonderful time, mountain biking and just hanging out, some great fellowship. VBS uh, is filling up. I think um, Alyssa said that we've got more sign-ups now than we've ever had it this early on. So get your kids signed up. That's coming up in June, 12 through 16. It's going to be amazing. Again, I just want to say what an amazing team we have downstairs with Chris, Elaine, uh, Wendy, and Alyssa, and uh, many others, but... Um, man, parents, if you have children, come, come be a part of that, that growing family. It's awesome. Um, what else? If you are interested in Bible study, just getting connected to the next step. We have men's forge meeting on Fridays down in uh, Mid Valley and Willits. We've got men's forge Wednesday right here. We have ladies Wednesday at 930 here. And, uh, so just let us know how we can get you connected. We have many other, um, kind of small groups that meet throughout the week, um, different opportunities to connect. Um, so just let us know about all that. I think that's covered it all we have for right now. Um, we are this morning, um, transitioning into, we're still in this series, not just human. And we are moving out of our, we were in second Corinthians chapters three, four, five, and six. And we're going to start through this off season. We're going to go into Romans chapter six, seven, and eight. And take a deep dive. And so I just encourage you to follow along. And matter of fact, step back to chapter 5. Actually, we really need a, a little background there. So I just encourage you to work with us. Uh, there's probably, well not probably, there's no other section of scripture in the Bible that gives more detail into who we are in Christ, what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, um, in this radical new life that we're called to the spiritual dynamics of the scripture. So uh, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, I just encourage you to read. Just keep reading it, and we're going to dive in <clears throat> and work our way verse by verse through these um, chapters, through this, uh, this off-season. This morning, we're going to be in chapter 6, 1 through 11, if you want to find your way there. And uh, I just want to open up, chapter 6 is... All about this idea of who we are in Christ, our identity. Folks, identity is a massive issue today. Um, and uh, we'll, as we work through this, I'll kind of break some things down as far as culturally 
but there's never been a time, I think, where chapter 6 and this issue for the church to get under our belt, which is this big question of who are we? Um, and I just want to take some time this morning and uh, really highlight that for us, knowing who we are um, to become what we are saved to be. I think all major questions of the soul, everything uh, that people were working for, whether we know it or not, is wrapped up in really these two questions. Who am I and what am I going to become? Every child's wrestling with those, every person. We're working those things out. We're all building an identity, whether we know it or not. We are serving, working, relating, uh, recreating. We're doing everything we can to build an identity. Again, whether we know it or not, um, that's what we're doing. Because it's at the core of our soul to know who we are and to know what are we becoming and what can we become. And here's, folks, where the gospel comes crashing in. Where it is the good news, it is the most glorious thing because at the very base is what Jesus does for all of us is he gives us a whole new identity. He makes us a new creation, which we looked at in 2 Corinthians. And I just, if if we miss everything else this morning, I want you to hold on and really think deeply uh, and preach the gospel to yourself every day on this issue um, that unless we understand who we are in Christ, we'll never be able to experience the defeat of sin in our life and all the blessings that come with it. It's the foundation. It's where we begin in the new birth and walking with God is laying this foundation of who we are, who I am now because of what he's done for me, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. In my understanding who I am. And man, if the enemy can rob that, if the enemy can put cracks in that, we question who I am, then guess what? We're going to be defeated in our life when it comes to battling sin and laying hold of all the promises of God in this abundant life, right, that God calls us to. Now, uh, uh, to 1 Corinthians, when Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians, he said this in chapter 3, he said, I can't write to you, church. Um, I can't speak to you the things I want to because you're still fleshly. You're acting as mere humans, he says, when you're supposed to be spiritual, pneumaticos, spiritual people. And here in these chapters is exactly Paul is showing us how. He's going to show us how do we become spiritual people? How do we become this new creation, this new identity of what does it really mean to be in Christ? What does baptism mean? really mean what is the whole point of going under the water coming out of the water what really is happening here in laying this foundation and no longer being just acting as mere humans is we're to act as spiritual people because the very power the resurrection power of God has come inside you if you know Jesus and have fellowship with you to make you something wholly new And um, everything, folks, builds upon this. And when we've minimized this, right, we minimize the expression and uh, the content and the hope and the promises of what God really has for us. And so I have a big statement here, and I'm just going to walk it, uh, kind of walk through it. Uh, I already talked about that. Um, This one right here. Hope that you'll take this, think about this deeply as we move through these chapters, okay? 
in our discipleship and our outreach, we need to prioritize the foundation of our identity in Christ Jesus rather than focusing on specific sin problems. I'm going to read that again. In our discipleship, so in our following Jesus, in our learning to know him better, okay, and in our outreach, we need to prioritize the foundation of our identity in Christ, Jesus, rather than focusing on specific sin problems. Um, why is that? It's been simply because is that we can't deal with the sin problem in our life, becoming set free, this radical freedom in Christ, becoming like him until I understand who I am. The very foundation of who I am is what births all these things, Right? And the same thing, even more so with our outreach, when we engage people who don't know Jesus yet, is we don't have, especially today, this is absolutely key, is we don't need to focus on a certain sin problem or a certain behavior problem. And with our kids, we need to go right to the heart of the issue is, who are you? Whose are you becoming? What is your identity? In other words, because how I see myself and my soul is going to determine my behavior. And so I got to go to the heart. I got to go to the, the soul issue and first wrestle with that. And when I jump out here to sin, guess what? There's a disconnect, right, that happens. And we'll go deeper here. It says, if we do not have confidence in, our, in the crucifixion of our old self-life, then we will not have confidence in being set free from sin and becoming the righteousness of God. Now, we're going to break that down here in Romans 6 um, this morning. But, folks, this is the deal. If I do not have confidence that my old life, who I was in Adam, who I was before um, I met Jesus, the old self-life, the old person, the way I used to live without the Spirit of God in me, that has been crucified with Jesus. That has been dead. It's been killed. It is no longer. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old life, the old me is gone. And it's not by my works. It's what Jesus did for me. It's what he did on the cross. I receive that freely by faith. And he transforms my very identity. And when you receive Jesus, you're a new person. And until I get that by faith right is I can't healthily move forward into addressing right, the behavior, right, experiencing that new life, that new freedom, is if I don't get that foundation right, is I'm going to stumble and fall. And we're going to just kind of get practical what that looks like and how we all right, have been disillusioned you know, in trying to live the life when my foundation is not. So when I start to question who I am. Does that make sense? All right, we'll come back to that. Or we're going to dive into it in the scripture. Just want to lay the foundation um, here. Last thing, we need to know who we are in Christ before we can live like Christ. Does that make sense? How can you live like him? How can you obey all the promises of God? How do you even want to? How do you even want to address sin? How do you even want to live freely in this new abundant life unless you know the one who calls you to it? Because then my motives are all going to be messed up. I'm doing it for myself. I should be doing it for him. Or I'm going to try to fight sin and try to have change in my life. And I'm, not going, to, I'm going to get beat up because I'm trying to do it in my own power. I'm trying to live that old life. I've been laid hold of the new life, right, that I have in him. I can't be like him. I can't lay hold of the promises of the word until, by faith, I continually, daily live under, man, 
God, you've, you, what, look at your grace, what you've done. You've set me free from the power of sin, free from the power of death, free from the power of law. We're going to get into all that here in these chapters. And you have made me a new creation. Now I can lay hold, right? And I come back to that. You preach that, folks, to yourself every day. Don't let a day, don't let a morning go by when you wake up. Lord, thank you. Oh, my goodness. You have delivered me from darkness. You've made me light. You, by your grace and mercy, you have made me a new creation. I am in Christ. I'm a new creation in Him. I am set free from those powers. I'm no longer that person. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's by that foundation that I'm going to have the power to actually start living a changed life. On that foundation... And folks, we see how religion creeps in here because if I don't have that foundation, I start trying to think I can do it. Religion creeps in. I start getting legalistic and doing this and doing that and feeling good about myself because I'm not doing what that person's doing or something. And I get quickly get out of grace and that messes us up, right? And the final thing, for we were saved, folks, to be people of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, not merely human. Folks, we have minimized the power of the gospel. We've minimized this thing that God has done for us. Salvation. We've minimized right what God has for us, what he's actually saved us to, to be spirit-filled new creations, not merely humans. Whole new thing. Born again to a new life. And folks, we've combined, because we're not setting this foundation, because the Word of God is not informing us, we've blended these, we've watered it down, and still the church, still believers, where are those radical testimonies? This is who I was. Let me tell you what Jesus did. This is how I'm living now. Let me tell you, this is what had me in bondage. This is where I was. Let me tell you what Jesus has done now. That is to be normative in the body of Christ. Sadly, in America today, we're not seeing that because we're seeing this merging. This merging of still holding on to the old life, the human life, with trying to lay hold of something in spirit life won't happen. You'll get caught up in religion. We'll get disillusioned. God has something far more for you in your life than you ever would imagine. Not just in heaven, but right now. Right now. And the promises, yes, brother, me too, is taken by faith in the word of God. What he says about you. We have to reckon, we're going to look at that. We have to reckon that truth by faith and say, yes, God, I believe that. I believe that's what you did for me. I believe this. I'm going to stand upon it. I'm going to start living that way, right? All right, with that said, let's dive in. And let the word of God um, speak to us. Um, Here's a principle as we move through these chapters. I want you to listen very carefully here is that, man, we can go through this and and just make it a theological endeavor, learning some knowledge about the Word of God. Um, That's all good, fine, and damn. But unless God, unless the Spirit of God brings into your soul, into your heart as you're sitting here, as you're watching and listening, and brings this truth alive in your soul, it just remains a religious intellectual exercise. But when God, when you have an open heart, when you have ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say, when I do, 
And God's word comes in and is, is empowered by the Holy Spirit and comes in our soul. It becomes a power inside us. It's not just intellect, but it is filled with the Spirit and it becomes empowered, the Word of God inside our soul to change us and transform us. And we know that God is meeting us through His Word. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that Your Word would come that way to each of us this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, that You would come and that You would put a fire on this, Lord, on Your Word And Lord, very personally to each one of us, wherever we're at this morning, you, God, would speak to us, move us, and change us, transform us, Lord. Lord, let your word become power inside us to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Transform us, Lord. We love you, God. Speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to step back in chapter 5 of Romans, um, verse 20. Now the law came... Now I'm going to read through the scripture. I'm just going to read the word of God. Just listen. There is... Every verse is deep theology, all right? Just listen. And trust that the Lord is going to speak to you. And then we're going to come back and uh, work our way through it, okay? Now the law came in to increase the trespass. Ooh, we're going to deal with that. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, too, might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in his death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. We know... That our old self, the old man, the old life was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be this body, right? This fleshly body might be brought to nothing so that we no longer would be enslaved to sin. But one who's died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of God. All right, that's a lot, huh? Whew. All right, here we go. We're going to just work our way and... Uh, and folks, I think the question is this, right? The ultimate question is you're sitting there uh, for all of us is, okay, I, I get it. I'm a new creation, but how do I reckon that? How do I live with this new identity? How do I live with the reality that uh, I have been baptized with Christ's death, that my old man, the old identity, right, uh, living apart from God is gone? 
and that I'm living with this whole new identity, this whole new creation that God has done for me. How do I, how do, I do that? Um, all right, we're going to address that. We're going to let the Word of God address it. So here we go. I'm going to march us through kind of verse by verse. And we're going to chat on this stuff. And, uh, and I'll try my best to just share a little bit about what this has looked like in, in my life um, uh, as we move through here. So, first couple of verses, Paul says, What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, this idea of God's grace for the Pharisee and others, they were just overwhelmed. Like, wait, Paul, if you said the law has come to increase sin and now grace has come and that we can uh, just by faith receive forgiveness from God by faith, I mean, then why? Why just, let's just keep sinning and all the more grace, right? This was, and again, there's nothing under the sun. Today, this is how many believers live. They just go and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, I can ask forgiveness. I'm going to go live like I want to throughout the week, but I can come on Sunday or I can go to Mass and I can just kind of, oh, God, forgive me. I'm good to go again, right? Um, that's cheap grace. That's abusing us, expecting the grace of God in vain. Obviously, Paul's saying, may it never be that we would cheapen the magnitude of God's glorious grace to us, right? His point is, how can we who died, how can we who know Jesus and know his great love for us, what he did on the cross for us, right? What he's uh, secured for us. How can we continue to live like we used to live, right? If we know him, how can we with all the whole new identity of who we are, how can I continue, right? To live this old life rather than lay hold of this. And why would we want to? He goes on. With everything that God, why would I not want to live in freedom? Why would I not want to be free from the power of sin and live and lay hold of all the promises that God has for me? And he moves on. He says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? Now, there's two things here. Baptism itself is fundamentally, it's not the ritual of going under the water and coming out of the water. Baptism at its core is an issue of faith. It's, it's an issue of what has happened when a person puts their faith in Jesus. Is, it is this moving, it is this change, right? Pulling us from the old self, right? Darkness into his light. It is changing my heart from not having the Spirit of God in me to having the Spirit of God in me and being washed, right, um, by the blood of Jesus and now being in a, in a new position with God. But Jesus, out of obedience, asks us the first step of obedience anybody we see in the Scriptures should take is to be baptized. Water baptized. Because that is a public profession of stepping out and saying to the church body, family, friends, whoever, in this great celebration is, is I have committed, I have by faith received Jesus and his promise, and now I want to profess that publicly in this beautiful, one of the main celebrations in God's house is when we gather together, right, and we see uh, new converts baptized, go under the water, the old man is washed away, is put to death, the old life, controlled by myself, afflicted by the world, the enemy, flesh, sin, the world, all of that, coming out of that water, 
united with Jesus, secure in heaven with eternal life, no longer right enslaved to sin in the world and, and the enemy and the law and religion and everything else, set free coming out of that water. And this is why you should break out in celebration, right? This beautiful, it's the most beautiful celebration besides the Lord's Supper, these two together, all right? But baptism comes before the Lord's Supper. Baptism is the securing, right, of this is who I am in God. Now I'm able to come and have fellowship at the table with my Lord, right? And so just on a side note, I just ask you, I plead with you. We, uh, have you been baptized? This is not something that's not an, like an option. It's not like something like a, Jesus was baptized out of all righteousness. It's the first step of obedience to step in, right? This is the greatest celebration, right, in the life of the church, It's not something that you can just kind of play around with and and put off. I'm going to be very bold with you here. If you put off baptism, you put off your development in walking with Jesus. Plain and simple. The reason why it's not so important anymore is because we have a very low, low view, right, as a culture of God's house, His church, the family of God. And understanding baptism is this wonderful expression of now you're part of the family. And you've had a chance to publicly give testimony to God, right, before his people and his family. This is who I am. This is what God has done. Um, And folks, I could give you testimony after testimony. When somebody steps out in faith that way, God meets them at that place. It should be the very first step of obedience as I start this walk with God. It's the most beautiful picture. It seals who I am. Right? Before God's people, this, this faith decision I've made right inside me, right? To follow Christ. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Hallelujah! Folks, if I don't have confidence that the old man was buried and when I came out of the water that I'm to walk in the newness of life, I won't have security for eternity. I won't have security right in what God's plan for me in the future is. The death has to take first before the new life right takes hold. This is what God has done. We're not getting to what we've done, right? Um, Baptism is a response to what God has done in our life, right? All right, the main verse I want us to dive into this morning is is verse 6. We know that our old self, the old man, actually, in the Greek, the old self-life, who I was, not in relationship with God, just a child of Adam in this world, separate from God, confused about my identity, right? confused about what I'm to become, confused about my future. Lost is what the scripture says. We know that that old person was crucified with Christ in order. In other words, it was de- it's been put to death. It's dead. And what? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now, what's the body of sin? It's this body we're still living in. That is going to die and be raised again. 
And as we're going to get to here in chapter 7, we're going to see that, man, this body of sin that I'm living in, it still has this thing called indwelling sin. It still has this leftover power in it, right, that is battling with me. Anybody relate? This is the battle, right? I don't think I have to tell. We know what this is all about. We know this, this body, there's this power, right? This, there's this thing inside me. As Paul in the next chapter says, man, I'm a wretched man. I'm, I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. I'm thinking the, the thing I don't want to think about myself. I'm, I'm doing the thing I don't want to do. This is indwelling sin. Now you say, which you should say, is like, well, wait a minute. Why didn't God just put that to death? I need to get rid of that so I don't have to mess with that battle any longer. That's a great question. What God destroyed was my identity, the old identity. What he gave me was a whole new identity so I could learn to be dependent on the Holy Spirit inside me, right, to bring this body of sin into conformity with him. It's a partnership now. This is sanctification. And we're going to get chapter 8, which I can't do it. I mean, anybody tried to just stop thinking of, stop a sin pattern on your own? Like, I'm going to do it. Try to willpower it? Good luck with that. This is why when you look at recovery numbers, folks, why it's so low? This is why in church, we have not laid hold of the power that's here to set people free. But you don't deal with the sin problem. You, go, you don't go straight to the sin problem. If I go straight to the sin problem, then guess what? I, all the only power I have there is myself and some uh, worldly principles and self-help stuff. I'm going to fail every time. Deliverance comes by laying a foundation. This is who I am. This is who I am. And being sure of that at the core of my being. And then when it comes to the battle of this flesh, guess what happens? Is the whole change is like, oh, I got to stop doing this. No, then I I move from that because God's forgiven me. And I move to a place of sitting, resting under his grace. We're going to get more into this. And I start letting God encourage me in the sense of, that's not who I am. I don't want to do that. That's contrary to who I am. And the Spirit of God starts bolstering. You're a child of God. You're a saint. No longer a sinner. You're a saint in the eyes of God. You're loved and redeemed and grace is upon you. And when I can shift my mind to focus on that rather than the guilt and shame of, oh, I did that again. And I can put it over here and, and, and rest in Him. Bolster me. Guess what? He empowers me right, to get deliverance in those areas of my life. And so, verse 7, for one who's died has been set free from sin. Because of the Holy Spirit's in you, because of this death, this real death, no longer is death hold us, uh, sin hold us in death too. Because sin comes from, uh, death comes from sin. These two to go together. I now have the ability to be free from that bondage of sin. But not by my self-help, not by my will, the old way of just ah, trying to be self-disciplined and, and be disciplined in my life. No, I ain't going to work against sin. I learn to lean into the Spirit of God and I learn to be His. I want these words to sink in. I learn to be His. I learn through the tough times in life to sit with Him and be His. He loves you. 
He's given his life for you. He wants fellowship with you. And when I mess up, I have to just, I don't run. That's the temptation to run. Run back to the old life. I sit and I just bathe. Lord, preach your word to me. Preach to me who I am. Preach and bolster my identity so I can now step forward and live differently. I can only, it's a dependent child, Abba, Father. That's how you know the Spirit of God's in you, by the way. When you cry out, Abba, Father, Father, help me. Spirit, empower me. I cannot stop thinking this or doing this or or understand this trauma, whatever it is. Spirit, you come and you do it. You are claiming your identity. When you understand you're a child of God, you can claim before your father the inheritance by faith. That's where the power comes, folks. That's where the power comes. Big time. Verse 8. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that he will also live with with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, um, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. But the life he lives, he lives unto God. Um, So he's just pounding home this principle. (laughs) Your old life is dead. Live like that and live unto God. You've been set free to live for him. By the Spirit of God, don't put your religion aside. We'll get to that in chapter 7. Don't think you can still do your same old religion like you used to do. Go through the same, uh, you know, your little quiet time, your little whatever it is that you do. You know, the Pharisees back then just kind of going through all the law keeping and ain't gonna, this is a whole new life I've called you to. You can only obey and get free when you understand who you are. And the power of the Spirit and the fellowship of the Father empowers you to start walking in the newness of life. That's the spirit life. And we'll get into the details. That's chapter 8. How do we do this? How do we live not of the flesh, right? And put this old, this body of sin to death, right? And we'll get into those, right? Those details. All right, verse 11. Here it is. In this section, so you also must consider yourselves, and folks, let me just stop that word, we don't have a good, we have not an English word to adequately define what he's trying to say here. So let me try my best here, the word, you know, some translations you might have yours that say, we must reckon ourselves dead to sin, must consider ourselves reckoned, that word actually means there, it means it's a faith action, it is by faith. Faith, I I am making a faith stand here that I am dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. See the difference? You're not just considering, it's not an intellectual thing. It's not just something that you've heard, this is a good thing, a good step. This is a radical faith step. Your entire existence depends on this. Your ability to be set free and delivered depends on your faith standing in that place. This is who I am based on what Jesus has done, not what I've done. And we got to do it all the time. Preach it to yourself every morning you wake up. Man, Lord, thank God you've set me free from the power of sin, the power of death, right? And, and I know who I am. I know where I'm going. And Lord, help me become now, walk in the newest life, what you have me to be, to be like you. Empower me with your spirit unless I learn to walk by your spirit, hear the spirit's voice, obey the word of God. Um, I'm not going to lay hold of that. And let me tell you, if, if I don't start with that identity thing, I'm going to get the crap beat out of me. There is a Greek word called skublon. Uh-uh. Does that make sense? All right, how do we do this? Let me just um, 
say a couple things uh, uh, just uh, in this, because I, I, I can't emphasize enough. I just know my own life where I've jumped ahead. All right, let's just start doing. Let's just start doing things. And bypass resting in this place of who I am, building up my self in the Word of God. Who I am because of what He's done for me. You got to do this every day because the world's going to pull you, pull you back to try to get that old life. Hey, you can do it. A little self help. You can do it. You're okay. You're doing well. Bolster. Bolster that, that, that identity, right? Every day in your Bible studies, this is what we need to do. This is the key to every bit of deliverance in a person's life. It's not to go and just camp out on this, oh, why are you struggling with this thought or this trauma or this thing or that thing? Is There's a time for that. The way you're going to get free from that is just be washed, washed, washed in who Jesus and God says you are. And just preach that truth. And you got to come to the point where you can honestly say, by faith, I reckon that to be true in my life. Every day. It's not just come kind of ritual. you got to believe it. And faith means, I stand on this God. Whether I feel like it or not. No matter what's going on in my life. No matter what's happened in the past. may happen in the future. I believe it, God. I'm going to stand here and not be moved. And your spirit is going to come and flow into this. Right? In, in a powerful way. Now, folks, here's the deal. Why is this so important? So I just, I could give you a thousand illustrations of my own life. But man, I, when I, I came to faith early and, and, uh, um, and man, I just got beat the crap out of me just, you know, trying to go. And, you know, sooner or later, it's like, wow, that self, that was all done by my flesh rather than the Spirit of God. And, and it wasn't taking the time to build up who I am. So what happens when we get defeated in some sin pattern, that same, I think we can all relate, that same old thing. Oh, here I go again. You know, whatever it is, or that, that addiction. Now it's moved to a place of, I can't break free. And then the guilt and the shame. All right, everybody understand what I'm talking about? Everybody has guilt, shame, right? You know what this cycle's all about. We just beat ourselves up, right? And the enemy won't beat ourselves up. And or we go through life, we have trauma. We have radical things happen to us we can't make sense of. And I'm going along through life. If I am not, if I haven't bolstered this foundation of my identity in Christ, when those times come, when a defeat in sin or a struggle or a, a past trauma or whatever it is happens, is or I just go move into a restless time. I just move into a tough season in life. What happens to my faith? Now let me just give you a key to walking faithfully is when we have any of these issues, when, when I have big questions in my life, when I don't know about the future, when I'm insecure, when I'm wondering about this or that, man, it is time to hunker down with the Lord and just bathe yourself in who you are in Him. You're a child of God. You're in His hands. He loves you, right? The old life is gone. Your death and sin are, are powerless in your life, right? Over and over, bathe yourself every day in that. If I don't fall back to that, guess what? The enemy wants to take me. He wants to take me off that truth. That's why Paul's saying, reckon it, reckon it. Take it by faith because the enemy is going to end the world and everything else is going to try to tear that foundation down. And once I start doubting that, man, guess what? I open cavities. I open pathways in my soul for the enemy to creep in there and put me in bondage and shut me down. I got to build that thing up, right? continually build that thing up. And then, right, I learned to be strong in him. And when Paul over and over received, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Talks about David in that really his lowest time, he strengthened himself in the Lord. How do you do that? 
This is exactly how he did that. You step back and you completely reestablish who you are in his eyes. Who he is. How great and awesome and gracious he is. And how, who you are because of him. That's how I strengthen myself in the Lord. If I don't have the ability to do that, I'm not going to move forward in seeing deliverance from sin in my life. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this. Can a man or a woman who's married live like a single? <laughs> but they can try. A man or a woman, we see it all the time, right? A man or a woman who's married, they can live like a single person. They can forget about the ring of covenant. They can forget about the vows and they can start living for self. Right? But what they need to do is look at that ring. Remember their vows. Remember the commitment, the covenant they made before God. Remember, you're a new person. You're one with another. You're not a single person any longer. You've been made a beautiful covenant before God. That is the same thing in the Christian life. When I get beat up, all right, I can still try to go live that old life. The enemy of the world is going to try to push me that way. My own flesh push me back that way. I have to step back and remember my baptism. I have to remember what God's done for me. I have to remember that covenant, that commitment I made before God. This is who I am. I'm a new person. And the Spirit of God will bolster me and take me right into places of, of great deliverance. Another quick thing, just practically, I've shared this before, but... Um, man, I, parents, I, I just can't say it strong enough. The thing that radically changed in our family, um, how, how we came to church as a family. Um, you know, if you're a parent, you know the battle of, ah, I don't want to go, oh, it's a power day, oh, I don't need to go to church, or it's boring, or blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, things radically change in our house. Michelle and I were able to sit down with the kids, and our language changed. We said, kids, this is not something we do. This is who we are. We are children of God and we've been baptized into a family, a new, we're not only just new creations in him, but we've been baptized into a new family of God. That's where he ministers us. That's where the life and the blessings of God are poured out when God's people come together and the relational context of strength comes is we are Woodrow's and we follow Jesus. This is our identity. This isn't an option. And you know what? We never had an argument after that. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Oh, there's, oh, what about this, what about that? But it, the conversation always came back to, are you a Woodrow? Do you not want to be a Woodrow? Do you not want to be a part of this family? This is what we do. This is who we are. At a young age, even, they got that. <laughs> Teenagers, we had to wrestle with a little bit more. But they get it. Does that make sense? Now take that into just any different area of your life. The power of reckoning who you are. That's the foundation for every bit of breakthrough when it comes to seeing radical deliverance and walking in the newness of life. All right? Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.